Welcome to the Design Pod, your local design guide for anything and everything visual and graphic. I'm your creative, Enrico. Now that we're moving towards more concepts when it comes to design, I want to use this opportunity and talk about brand and packaging. To start off, when we think about brands, there are a lot of things we can associate with such things. From clothes, shoes, bags, and even technology. And with these things come branding and identity. To tell you honestly, good companies will always invest in good branding and identity. Of course, when a company wants the best, then they would have to shell out some money for it. And before we begin with our topic for today, I just want to clear out to everyone on why it's so expensive. First of all, prices would start to change once it becomes commercial. Imagine using something over and over again in shirts, merchandise, and other goods. At the same time, you earn something from it, whether it would be the viewership, recognition, or something monetary. Just by that, the money that you spent on branding and identity has paid you back and possibly you get to earn more. Also, it's important to note that the designer you're working with didn't just develop these fine skills in a short time. It takes a lot of money to learn, read, and exercise design that probably took a lot of years in order to master branding and logo. As they say, although the logo only took 15 minutes to make, the process in learning how to create it took 15 years. So, be kind to your designers for creating good designs within a time-crunching deadline. Alright, since we are already somewhat into the topic, let's talk about logos and branding. Well, to tell you honestly, creating the actual logo is the easiest part of branding. It's the story and conceptualization that's difficult. Let's say that the logo is a circle. It could be if the client agrees, but then again, what's the rationale for that? You can't create symbols out of nowhere if you do not have a reason for it. Most of the time, clients will already specify what they want the logo to look like. And the first thing you should know is how to translate. Let's say they have a draft written on a paper somewhere. This makes the job somewhat easier since there is already a version on what they want. The difficult part of this aspect is that you have to make designer decisions on what makes the final cut. For example, you have to gently explain to the client that this part may not work for the logo since it wouldn't look good when you scale it down or you have something to add to the logo. Nevertheless, the key factor for this is being transparent and honest to the client. Moving towards logo creation, what makes a good logo? Well, that's really up for debate. But for this podcast, I'll be sharing my opinions on it. The first thing a good logo should have is that it should be easily recognized. What do I mean by this? Well, to put it in simple terms, your logo should be different. Of course, all of us are aiming to be unique in our own ways, but 
allocation ni go into the usual convention of symbols. For example, there are a lot of baking online shops during this time and I've noticed how a lot of these logos tend to have something similar. My suggestion is to look at the other images and symbols related to baking. Who knows? There might be some other ones that are rarely used. Also, aside from the icon, sometimes a logo is a wordmark. A lot of brands do this. You can hire a typographer or a lettering artist to make your logo. Some brands have successful wordmark logos where just by the typeface itself is recognized and it's sometimes parodied. Examples of these are high-end brands. You can notice how, let's say for example, streetwear brands use Futura for their logo. The next thing a good logo should have is to be clean. Although there are some logos whose design was made to be rough and sketchy, what I mean by clean is that the placing and shaping are intentional. If you're ever stuck on a logo idea, then use math. Using math can help your design look clean and polished. When I say math, I mean geometry. One of the popular logo-making techniques is called the Golden Ratio. The Golden Ratio is defined as the most pleasing proportion of a shape or structure. An example of this is the social media application Twitter. The logo is a bird. Although at the first glance, it looks hand-drawn, the entire thing is made up of circles. You make the structure from selecting and deleting certain parts in order to give you the silhouette that you desire. By playing with the golden ratio, you are able to have cleaner designs with your lines. Another tip that I want you guys to know is to never follow logo design trends. Sure, there are times where design trends are attractive and it sells. However, when you follow design trends, chances are there will be redesigns in the future. Okay, all of us are not gifted with foresight. We don't really know the future. But it wouldn't hurt to have a designer's intuition on things that can last for at least a decade. There have been companies in the past who had to pay billions because redesign fails. Commonly, most of these redesign fails wanted to have this modern feeling to it. Although I do understand it, sometimes there's a certain factor that does not play right. For example, it's changing the typeface into something bland or really common, which makes it less stand out. I once saw a brand change entirely without doing a PR on it. Because of that, people were confused. Nowadays, when brands try to remake themselves, they do it in a wittingly kind of way to let their consumers know of their change. Moving forward, the next step with logo design are some of the misconceptions made by people with creating a logo. Contrary to what I've said earlier about logos, sometimes your logo doesn't have an association to the industry you're in. Let's say, for example, Apple. The logo that they have isn't associated with computers or technology. Another one is Starbucks. You don't see coffee or coffee cup in their logo. But what's really interesting about these two logos is that they have a story to tell. I really think that the story can sell more to the logo and it helps align the business's identity. 
for example, there are theories where Apple's logo is meant to symbolize the fruit of knowledge. It does make sense since the brand's function is to give access to information using their gadgets. On the other hand, for Starbucks, there are theories where the reason why the brand chose a siren to represent their business is because, like sirens, Starbucks would lure coffee lovers into their shop. If there were logos that I love and recommend to study, I'd suggest the ones that try to cleverly hide a message within the logo. So what do I mean by this? No, for example, the FedEx logo. I'm not sure if FedEx did it on purpose or it was a coincidence, but there is an arrow in between the E and the X which can symbolize the company's purpose to move things, since arrows can symbolize movement. Another one of these examples is Toyota. Again, I'm not sure if this has been confirmed by the company, but when you look at the Toyota logo, you can see how the logo includes each letter of the brand. Although there are great and you can try something like this in your project, again, I'd like to remind you that it's best to try and tell a story on the logo. It helps consumers identify what your brand is and the attitude it tries to give off. Okay, let's move on to brand identity. Since we've uncovered logos, let's look at the larger chunk. So when it comes to brand identity, you have to look at the brand story similar with the logo. I'm emphasizing on the story, overview, and perception of the brand since there will be projects where it's not just the logo you're going to work with. Sometimes, you're gonna work on marketing collaterals like social media posters and ads. There are times where your client will ask you to make templates that fits well with the brand. Trying to find the tone of the brand will help you in formulating a guide. There are different things to cover in this area, but for this episode, I'll just point out two things. The first thing is typography. In a previous episode, we discussed about how typography affects perception. There are design blogs and sites that try to explain typography on brands. For example, high-end brands such as fashion or editorial tend to use serif typefaces. An example is Vogue. You can see it in their magazine or in an advertisement. For fashion, you have Dior, Rolex, and somewhat Gucci since they use their wordmark for some occasions. So with these brands, some designers theorize that the use of serif actually gives off the perception of prestige and being established. Personally, when I look at brands that use this typeface, I somehow get this authoritative vibe from it. It's something that is serious and can command any field they're in. It's also not a surprise that it gives off this professional vibe since serifs are often used in academic and official papers. Another factor to consider is color. Of course, color has psychology, but we wouldn't get into that much in this episode. For example, most of the fast foods and restaurant chains would use red and yellow. They say that these colors stimulate hunger and appetite. For social media applications, they use blue in their brands. Aside from the calming effect blue gives off, it can also represent knowledge and information which is something somewhat social media does. Also, one of my favorite colors to be used in brands is purple. 
from what I've read, brands that use purple tend to appeal on the younger market. I guess this is because purple represents creativity, wildness, and independence. It's also something we don't really see much in applications and software, so the use of purple in technology branding can help somewhat stand out. That's all our time for today. Thank you guys for listening, and I would like to thank the network and the Cutprint management for making this possible. This episode has been executively produced by Cutprint Podcast Network under the Podcast U program, the leading public service training program for podcasting in the Philippines. If you guys want to keep the discussion going or want to share your insights and reactions, head over to our Instagram at the designpodph. Once again, I'm Enrico, your creative, and I'll see you in the next episode.